Welcome to Podland. Podland is sponsored by Buzzsprout, the easiest way to host, promote and track your podcast there at buzzsprout.com. It's Thursday, March the 25th, 2021. I'm James Credlin, the editor of Pod News here in Australia. Hello, and I'm Sam Sethi, the editor of Sam Talks Technology here in the old country. And I'm Corey Layton from ARN's iHeart Podcast Network Australia. And later, I'll be talking about podcasts down under. I'm Nadav Kishon from Riverside.fm. And later, I'll be talking about our remote recording tool. And I'm Donald Albright, chair of the Podcast Academy. And later, I'll be talking about the Ambies. They will. Podland is a weekly podcast where Sam and I delve deeper into the week's podcasting news, which I cover daily at podnews.net. Now, we'd love you to get involved with this podcast. So if you want to send us a voice message, please do so to questions at podland.news or you can tweet us at podlandnews. This week's big story. It's not really a big story, James, but it is a number. We've hit two million podcasts, according to Apple Podcasts, or according to Daniel J. Lewis at the Podcast Industry Insights Tools. Now you have to say two million every time, James. Is that going to be okay for you? Yeah, two million. So what you'll be able to spot now is you'll be able to spot the people that aren't really up to speed with the podcasting world. Uh, Some of them still say, oh, there's about 800,000 podcasts. Nope. Some of them say there's about one and a half million podcasts. No. Uh, Two million shows in Apple Podcasts. 37% of those are active, by which Daniel J. Lewis means published at least one episode in the last 90 days. Ask me if I care, Sam. Uh, Do you care, James? No. Good. Nor do I. (laughs) (laughs) If you go into a bookshop, does anybody say, oh, I wonder... Ah, yes, I wonder whether Dan Brown is still writing those books. Are there any more books of the Bible being written now, or has that pod faded? What a load of nonsense. I don't care too much about that sort of thing, but perhaps I should. I don't know. I think it's just an indicative that the industry is growing still, that's all. Yes, which is probably a good thing. So two million is the, the magic number. The big piece of work there is to work out which are the good podcasts in the two million, and which are the bad? Uh, yes. One way might be to see who won an award. That would be a way to find out which are the good ones and bad ones. So let's see. A few weeks ago, we talked about the nominations for the Ambies, the new podcast awards for the podcast industry. What's happened there, James? Any news? We did. I was able to chat with the chair of the Podcast Academy about how the Ambies all works. The chair is Donald Albright. And I started by asking him what the Podcast Academy aims to do. So the Podcast Academy is a professional member organization, and we celebrate both excellence in audio uh, diversity in the podcast platform, as well as a focus and spotlight on education, networking and community. And one of the things that you have started doing is the Ambies, which is a podcast awards. What what are the Ambies setting out to celebrate? The podcast industry deserves to be celebrated. And what we wanted to do was create an award show that was a peer-driven award show that celebrates excellence in audio and excellence in podcasting. And also the diversity and the the depth of talent that the industry has. There's so many podcast to a 2 million podcasts out there and we deserve our night, right? So we want to make sure that we're celebrating all the different diverse voices. We want to make sure we're celebrating the impactful podcasts and wanted to do it in a way where 
it's actually the industry speaking up for itself versus not just one segment of an industry or not just the press or not creators alone, but everyone who's working within the industry, building up and celebrating all the different projects that are come out within that calendar year. So earlier this month, you announced 164 nominees. How many entries did you get and how were the nominees chosen? We got over a thousand entries. We were really impressed by that. It was just an overwhelming response. We weren't sure how many we would get, but a thousand was really uh, a number that we thought was great for our first year. Uh, 164 of those were obviously our nominees. The process, we have two rounds of judging. We have a hundred member panel called the Blue Ribbon Panel, and they're all made up of members of the Podcast Academy. Our current numbers in the Academy itself is over 800 members, but the hundred members of the Blue Ribbon Panel went through two phases of judging. They judged all of the different submissions based on several different criteria. And that basically kicked out a score and the top seven scores became our nominees in each category. Cool. Why wasn't uh, my pod news podcast, why didn't that get into the nominees? I'm only joking. (laughs) Uh, I know why, because it's not very good. So how will the winners be voted for? So the difference between the nomination process and the process of determining the winners is that any member of the organization will be voting on the nominees, whereas it was the panel. That so any member? Yeah. So if you're a member of the Podcast Academy, I think we are extending membership through the, the 26th of this month. So if you're a member by the 26th, then your vote counts just like my vote counts towards who those winners are. Okay, so you have less than 24 hours if you want to uh, vote, if you want to become a member of the Podcast Academy, but you should be becoming a member of the Podcast Academy anyway. So they will do the final voting and then there's a big, presumably virtual award ceremony coming up, isn't there? Yes, yeah, so we are doing our first inaugural Ambies. It's been in, in the works. We announced the Ambies when we first set out to launch the Academy. So this is now over a year in the making. May 16th at 5 p.m. is when the show will kick off. We'll have a pre-show prior to that. And yeah, we're looking to have a, a night of virtual fun. Initially, we set out to, to do this in person, but obviously you want to make a mm-hmm. safe award, award show that's entertaining. Not It's for the industry as a whole. It's for the listeners. It's for the creators. So you want to make it a fun event where you can honor excellence in, in audio. So we'll be able to watch that on online. Will you need to be an Academy member or, or is it open to anybody? It's open to anyone to watch. We'll be streaming live on YouTube and on Twitch. And yeah, we encourage everyone to vote, become a member and vote, watch, see who wins and follow your favorite podcast. We're looking forward to some announcements coming up soon in terms of pre-show and hosts. So we have a few more things up our sleeve before that award date hits. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Now I had a look at the nominees, lots of nominees, of course, fewer than 10% from outside the US and most of them from the UK, which is my home country, two from Australia, which is where I live now, which is exciting, four from Canada, one from the UAE. Do you think that the US focus is just the way that the industry is, or is that something you'd like to work on in the future? Yeah, there are a number of things that we want to work on in the future. Part of the reason that I joined was to become part of the change in the industry. If you want the industry to reflect something, then you should get in there and help to help it to to help build it to be what you want it to be. And we want to become a more diverse organization. We want to become an, an organization that is just as beneficial to the big players as to the independents. And one of the big things on our list that we talk about on, on a monthly basis is how are we truly uh, going to be represented as the international organization. Uh, right, currently, we only have one governor outside of the U.S. based in the U.K., and we want to expand that out. We want to have, in the future, subcommittees that are helping to inform us of 
the different policies and practices across the nations. Obviously, there's a language barrier in some in some countries, so we're going to be working on that as well. But I think there's there is a path to expansion in throughout Canada, throughout uh, Europe, South America, Australia. That's definitely a focus moving forward. Yeah. And I noticed that I think all of the nominees were English language. Maybe there was one Spanish language in there, but I think that was basically it. Is Again, is that a reflection of where the industry is right now? Or again, is that a plan? Yeah, I think it's a reflection. If you just look at podcasting in general and how the just where are the numbers and where are those listeners coming from? There even our, our shows are nine. We're getting ninety, I believe, six percent of all of our listenership is coming from the U.S. So that's the big bulk of listeners. I think the good thing is that people you listen to podcasts, you're exploring, and I think we, what we should be doing is outreach into other countries, finding other stories, talent, and bringing them not only for the U.S. audience, but if the U.S. audience is discovering talent from outside the U.S., then they will also go there to hear stories that are taking place outside of the U.S. Because you you want to travel. You want your mind to travel when you're listening to audio shows. We're working on a project now with a host that's from New Zealand. Yeah, we're open and we definitely want to make this, we want to be inviting, right? We want people to want to be a part of this and accommodate and, and make sure that they're they were also providing them with the services that we're providing everyone in the U.S. So the fact that we can do a lot of this stuff virtually, I think, is is great because everyone, no matter where you are, can participate in our webinars, in our uh, socials where you can just meet and greet and network. Yeah, we're looking forward to bigger and better things. Yeah, I tell you what, I can take part in them if I get up early enough. That's always a hard thing from here. So the future plans for the Academy, obviously the awards are going to be a tentpole event that you do um, every single year and hopefully a physical event um, uh, in uh, future years. You've alluded to things like webinars and stuff like that. What else are you planning for the future of the Academy? So we want this to really, it's all about the members, right? We want this to be a beneficial. It's not really about the award show is the glitz and the glamour is the thing you want to dress up to, dress up for and go to watch, whether streaming or in person. But it's the other 11 months out of the year of that's really the benefit to our members, right? So we want to make sure that we are leveling the playing field and providing access to all of our members. And if that means like we just finished a sales and monetization guide. So if you are interested in how does sales and monetization work in the podcast industry, you want to provide those guidelines and materials for everyone to be able to have access to. A lot of the things that you might have to either pay a subscription um, for or go to a masterclass, we want to be able to provide year-round access to all this stuff, as well as, so while you're getting the resources from the resource guides, you're attending monthly AMAs, which we have coming up in a couple of days, which is asking anything where we have four governors. And if you have whatever questions that you have, you shoot those out to us and we'll, all of our experience collectively on the, on that panel, we'll be able to answer and give you some advice and guidance. We also have a mentorship program where you can be a mentor, a mentee, or both. We want to, we want this organization to be where we're all continuously giving. So if you feel like you're intermediate to high level in the podcast industry, maybe your involvement is because you want to give back to the new podcaster. And that's really where my involvement comes in is, is that my 
the way I came up in podcasting was like many of these people who are just becoming members. I had uh, a brand new podcast and knew nothing about the industry, had to learn everything firsthand. So I wish there was an academy or something that I could have joined back then to really understand even the terminology of what's all these things that are being thrown around. So it's really just about servicing that that group. We've been talking about internship and fellowship programs, placement, early access to job postings, things like that are, are all the things that we're throwing around just so that our members are really truly getting the benefit of their membership. And uh, if I'm listening and I've not yet joined the Podcast Academy, is it fearsomely expensive? And how do I join in the first place? It is hopefully not very expensive. It is $100 a year. We also offer plenty of discounts throughout throughout the year. And we have partner organizations that so will do uh, promos with certain organizations in order to give discount codes, things like that. So go to the podcastacademy.com and there uh, you can fill out a form to, to join. It's for people who are in the industry. If you're thinking about becoming a podcaster, you can, you should follow what we're doing. And we do have some free events, but for them, what we're geared towards people who are already in the industry, who are launched, who have launched their podcast or who are building their company. So yeah, join up, go to the website, podcastacademy.com. And uh, yeah, $100 membership. That's for the entire year. And we, you are, welcome then to participate in all the activities, to put your hat in the ring, to join specific subcommittees, to actually be part of building the organization, not just on the receipt. That sounds really interesting and really exciting. Donald Albright, chair of our podcast academy. Thank you so much for your time today. James, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. So there was Donald and the international chapter sounds quite interesting, James. Maybe uh, you and I will be invited to sit on one of those. Yeah, I think that that was sounding very interesting. The fact that they're obviously keen to get the world involved, which is a good thing. Probably relatively rare for a US organisation. I have to say, I didn't appreciate he said that there was one of the members of the board who lives in the UK, and I didn't actually appreciate that. That wasn't uh, made uh, clear before. So that's really interesting. I think also more work with Indies is nice. And those shared resource guides that he was uh, talking about is a really interesting idea. And I think goes back to one of the things that I was talking about when the Podcast Academy originally started, which was a whole load of best practice work. And that appears to have been taken up now, which is really good. Great. Look, let's see what happens if this chapter thing comes to life. We'll let you know. Now, another story that we noted or you noted was that podcasts are now available on TV. Is that really news? Could you not get them on TV before, James? You could, but you couldn't. There is a TV channel, much the same way as podcast radio exists as a radio station. And iHeartRadio, of course, have their own podcast stations as well in some parts of the US. Now, Pod TV is available. You can tune in so far on TCL Smart TV Channel 1048. No idea what that means. Or on Roku. I've heard of Roku. We can't buy Roku here in Australia, but nevertheless, I have heard of it. Or you can watch free on their website, which is podtv.live. There's uh, quite a few shows on there, including the Jordan Harbinger show, Trigonometry, and the Gangster Chronicles. It's just quite a nice idea. I think if you're flicking through the channels, you discover something that you think you might quite like, and it happens to be a podcast, and that's good news too. It's going to make it harder walking the dog with the TV attached to me, though. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. Don't go walking the dog watching the TV. Although many people do, I suppose, on their mobile uh, phones. Well, yes. Yeah, but still, there you go. <laughs> Good. Now, most podcast listeners don't want to have to pay or donate money to listen to podcasts, says US research from YouGov. It uses their data to estimate that podcasts might be worth just $13 million. 
a month. That's it. Is that enough, James? Yeah, just $13 million a month. I, I would be quite happy with 10% of that. I'll keep that. You're taking That's a fine. Pay. So that would be nice. Sometimes I upset research people because I say, what they've basically said is, you're getting a lot of podcasts for free at the moment. Would you like to pay for those? And unsurprisingly, most people have turned around and said no. If you have some amazing content, if you have Game of Thrones from HBO, that's enough for you to pay for HBO. If you have The Crown from Netflix, that's enough to make you pay for Netflix if you're a big fan of that. What these research questions have been asked about is essentially, you're getting lots of stuff for free. How about paying for some of that stuff in the future? And they've not actually talked about what some of the new content might be. And my suspicion is that if you were to go to them and say, would you like a special podcast with Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen on it? Would you like to pay for that? I suspect that more people would have said yes. So I'm a bit dubious about some of this research. But there again, I'm sure that you do a fine and excellent job at this sort of thing. Who knows? What do you think? I think we've got a flight to quality right now across the whole web and not just in podcasting. I think there is a real flight to quality around content you read, content mm. you watch. I'm happy paying for Netflix, Spotify, a uh, bit of Medium, FT. And guess for those podcasts that I really want and I want to support, I'd be prepared to pay. So I think as an industry trend, we've been talking about it for weeks. Spotify and Apple are hinting at subscriptions coming in. So mm. we know that's going to happen sometime soon. And that 2 million that we just talked about the long tail will just exist. It'll mm. be free and, and great, but the head will, you know, certainly be amortized by payments through subscription. Yeah. I guess that's the way to filter it out. I'd not, I'd not heard that phrase, the flights to quality, but I think that's absolutely right. I wrote something today in Pod News about Tortoise Media, which I'd never heard of before. It's a slow media news platform. It's based where you are, Sam, in the UK. And it's basically headed up by, among others, James Harding, who used to be the director of news at the BBC. And I went to have a look at it. And it's a really good news website. It, it, the idea of it is that they take their time to research long pieces. They don't take advertising, so they charge you for it instead. It's laid out beautifully. The quality of the journalism looked fantastic. It looked like what the correspondent could have been but wasn't. They've just signed with ACAST, by the way, for their podcasts. And I was looking at that and I was thinking, yeah, maybe that's another thing that I'll pay for, alongside The Guardian, which I also pay for, and The Economist, which I would pay for for if I didn't get them free from my library. I was looking at that and thinking, maybe there is something, but it has to be the right content. And if somebody was going to turn around and say, would you like to pay for your news tomorrow? I'd say, no, of course I wouldn't. So I don't know. Maybe that's just me. The one thing I have an expression you may not have heard of, which is, it's not free, it's at my expense. It's an expression that I love using because so many people come up to me and say, can I just ask you something very quickly? Can I pick your brains? And fundamentally, they're saying, can I have some free advice? And often, if it's a friend, I don't mind. But really, what they're asking is, I want something for free. And I often say to them, this is not for free. This is at my expense. And I think what we're seeing with that report is that YouGov are saying that the podcastings aren't free. It's at someone else's expense that you're getting this data, that you're getting access to it. And it's time that somebody pays for it now. You've had enough free time that we start paying. I think we're seeing that across other mediums. I think we'll see it in podcasting. I think we probably will. 
Now, these days, I come from a land down under where women glow and men plunder. Can't you hear? Can't you hear the thunder? It's been pouring it down over the last few days here. Anyway, I thought it high time to find out more about podcasting in Australia. Who better to ask than Corrie Layton, the head of digital for ARN's iHeart Podcast Network. But despite the name, they're not owned by iHeart Radio. No, we are listed on the Australian Stock Exchange and we license the iHeart Media brand out here, or at least iHeartRadio and iHeart Podcasts, and we are together until 2036, so we are absolutely in it for the long run. That's a marriage, isn't it? It is a marriage. (laughs) So ARN's iHeart Podcast Network Australia, snappy name, has been going for just over a year. What have you learnt from that? I think we came to the podcast party quite late in Australia, and I think in a lot of ways there was an advantage in coming in in late to understand where the opportunities were in the market, which I think we capitalised on. And when you look at the Australian podcast ranker, which here is is run by Triton, we've been number one since the day we launched for over 12 months now continuously. And I think in part we can thank being late to attribute to that because we were able to build a strategy that fulfilled some of the gaps that we um, saw in the market. And you're number one, not just because you've got an awful lot of shows, but you do have an awful lot of shows, but you're also number one in terms of individual shows as well, aren't you? Exactly. So currently we hold the number one, the number two, and the number three shows in the market in Casefile, which is number one through our partnership with Audio Boom, Stuff You Should Know via iHeart. And the number three show is a catch-up radio show, which is it comes out of Sydney, the Sydney Breakfast Show called The Kyle and Jackie O Show. So how does this work? You have access to iHeartRadio's podcasts. You produce your own stuff from your radio stations, but you also sell ads into others. Is that how it works? I think it's inherent in the word network. We are set up to help a bunch of our partners and our own shows to monetize their podcast. But also, I think it's really important. It, it's similar world over where you look at the Edison Infinite Dial research and that awareness of podcasting is always high. And in Australia, it's always higher than the US, yet the number of people listening lower. And for us, we're, we're the number one radio network here in Australia. And so for me, the exciting opportunity is to be able to use our broadcast megaphone and show people about the plethora of podcasts that are out there and all the exciting reasons and the different shows that they should be listening into. So a large part of of what we do with all of our partners and our own shows is work with them to boost their amplification and grow their numbers. Yeah. So you're doing a a bunch of podcast first shows as well as obviously catch up radio in there as well. The podcast first shows, are you doing that because, because you're working with clients to do some branded content or is it just different content that you can't get out on the radio? How does all that work? There are aspects that are absolutely to do with clients, but I think for me, when it comes to creating our own original podcasts, it's about finding areas in the market that aren't copycat podcasts, because I don't think that does justice to anyone. We want to be able to continue to create podcasts that fulfill niches, albeit niches that provide scale, and also from that commercial opportunities. And and there's a a number of really exciting formats that we're currently underway with. Give us an example of one that works really well for you. 
I think our biggest one to date has been Stuff of Legends with Christian O'Connell. If anyone is listening from the UK, you would remember Christian from his days at at Virgin Absolute. And Christian has since come out to Australia where he's held the number one breakfast show in uh, a little old city called Melbourne, which is where I'm sitting right now. And what Christian has done with the show Stuff of Legends is he's talking to high caliber people like uh, Ricky Gervais, uh, uh, Russell Brands, and he's rather than having the standard interview with them, he's unlocking stories from their past that you've rarely heard by getting them to bring in three objects that hold a deep meaning to them. And in doing that, the sorts of content we're getting and the quite deep conversations we're having with some really high-profile people is pretty refreshing to listen to. Yeah, and that's uh, sponsored by a brand? That was sponsored by Readly, which is essentially like a Spotify, but for magazines. I'm sure that they'll be delighted with the extra plug that you just managed to get them. I hope so, Um, So that's uh, really smart. So let's talk a a little bit more widely about podcasting in Australia, because you're obviously part of that. The other radio groups are involved. There are non-radio people people involved as well. How big is podcasting right now? What sort of stats do we actually have access to? It's a bit weird getting that question from you, given you're normally the stat man, but it's one in four Australians are here in Australia are listening to podcasts. The infinite dial dip will be happening in May. So we're not far from seeing how the effects of Corona have continued to grow that number. I'm quite excited about the potential of what's behind it in regard to growth. Yeah, because I was going to ask about the pandemic. We've been affected far less than other countries, but was podcasting in Australia affected by the pandemic, certainly in the lockdowns that you experienced? Absolutely, and affected for the better. So when you have a look at the last 12 months, month on month, across our entire network, we've seen an upward trend across that time, which continues to peak. So with our February numbers, they have outshone any uh, month for the the previous 12 months. And we've also looked um, at a state-by-state analysis because there were certain states in Australia that were in hard lockdown and there were others that were quite wide open. We didn't actually see much of a difference when you look at state-by-state. The overall upwards trend sticks true for all states. I remember doing a, a few things for uh, Ozpod, which was a podcast conference here, which may or may not come back. But uh, And I remember looking at some of the data that I got from Omni Studio, actually, around individual Australian states and seeing that the big metropolitan states of Victoria, where Melbourne is, and New South Wales, where Sydney is, seemed to have an awful lot of listening, as you would expect, per capita. But when you started looking at other states, uh, podcasting was a bit less part of the media landscape. Is that still the case now? Yeah, I think Melbourne and Sydney metro areas absolutely is where the dominant lion's share of podcast listening is happening in this country, then through to Brisbane, which is where you are as we speak, James, mm-hmm. and then from a metro it's to a... Been, it's where I've been for months, Corey. Sorry, stuck <laughs> in that same old room. And the difference from a metro to a regional perspective, absolutely, podcast listeners still lean towards metro leaning. The other interesting thing that we saw through the outbreak is the time of day that people were listening to their podcasts. Hmm. We could very much see that people were sleeping in, which was great when it lasted. We can now see that people are now waking up 
early again by the time that they're pressing play on podcasts. The one shift that we did notice is there was in the mid to late morning a definite uptick of when people were pressing play on their podcasts. And we attributed that at the time to people being stuck at home and trying to break up their day and and using podcasts to do it. But though here in Australia we have, thankfully for the moment touch wood, got COVID behind us. We ha- we've seen that trend with that mid to late morning uh, listening remain throughout. And this is from a sample of over 1.2 million Australian devices that we work on together with Megaphone. So it's a robust sample in where we're pulling that data. So where do you see Australia in podcasting? You, you said that we were a bit late to the party. Are we now leaders in this space? Are, are we uh, laggards? Where do you see the wider Australian industry? I think compared to the US, we continue to remain two to three years behind um, in terms of audience take-up, listening, commercial sophistication from advertisers, and also investment from publishers and content creators into the sophistication of the types of content that we're creating. So that that is definitely behind. However, I can radically feel that we are catching up with rapid acceleration. So that might be condensing across this year. And in terms of advertisers, I saw some data from Acast who obviously have a point to make, but I did see some data from them basically saying that ad agencies aren't producing special audio for podcasts. They are essentially taking a radio ad and slinging that onto a, onto a podcast as well and wondering, in, in some cases, why that's not the best plan. Are you seeing that, that sort of thing as well? Or are ad agencies becoming more sophisticated in the way that they're buying podcasts? We don't allow pod radio ads to air on podcasts for the wow. same reason okay. and all the research we've seen that it's a different listening experience. Radio ads serve a great purpose when you're listening to radio and, and sometimes you're very much leaning into that song or talk break that, that you're hearing and there are other times it's there in the background and so podcast uh, radio ads are built to grab your attention whereas in the podcast world you already have the listener's attention and quite often it's in a soulless environment so we find radio ads in the podcast environment don't work and therefore we don't allow it. To your question about do advertisers understand that? I think it's starting to change. There are many that that don't who maybe aren't resourced as well and are just running at pace and podcast is one of the last elements on the buy, so can you just take my audio and run it? And there are others who do understand the difference and they're frequently the ones that are leaning into podcasts and users and listeners themselves and they're the ones that understand the value of adapting existing creative and be it getting the host or a network or announcer voice to deliver it. They are the ones that, that I think are leaning in the most. And you're no stranger to the technology. You were previously at Wooshka, a podcast host, and Australia is also obviously the home of Omni Studio as well. Both of those uh, quite leaders in dynamic ad insertion. Do you think that advertisers are using uh, dynamic audio to the best of their ability? I think in Australia, unlike in the US, dynamic ad insertion is essentially the go-to base that everyone is using, whereas in the US, particularly 
there is definitely a battle between should we do baked in, should we do dynamic, should we do a, a bit of both. That doesn't exist here. I think that's partly because, again, we're two to three years behind and had the ability to circumvent um, some of the issues that I think baked in deliver. And the other benefit of dynamic is, particularly here in Australia, is because we're serving ads locally into often international podcasts. We've become used to Dynamic is the way where if you want to monetize some of the bigger shows that Australians love that aren't from here, Dynamic is the only way that's possible. So therefore, it's become very normal from the start. One last question, because you, the iHeartRadio app, which you have for Australia, obviously also works on smart speakers as well, both on Alexa, which isn't the market leader, and Google, which is. Are you seeing a growth of use of uh, smart speakers here in Australia? And what does that mean for podcasting generally? Absolutely. Smart speakers are becoming more prevalent in people's homes, uh, especially over the Christmas period when both Google and Amazon go head to head and discount and they just become great stocking fillers. Those devices are turning up more and more. From a, a podcast perspective, I think we are all playing with the runtime of podcasts and trying to find that balance between long form and hyper short form. I think when it comes to smart speakers particularly, it's that short form content that will likely thrive in that environment. And I think globally, everyone's still trying to scratch around what's our answer to Gimlet's Chompers, the great idea about accompanying kids brushing their teeth. What are we going to do that's in that space that's not quite that? And I'm, I'm really excited as Publishers World Over tackled that challenge. Corey, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, James. Now, let's move on. The IAB has published its annual report predicting that in 2021, US podcasting will be a $1 billion market. The organisation had $33.2 million of revenue in 2020, $6.4 million of that is from the IAB Tech Lab, who work on the podcast measurement standards. Is that useful as a report, James? Another report with another statistics. Tell me more. It's an interesting report, isn't it? The IAB's annual report. Two numbers out of that. Firstly, in 2021, will be a $1 billion market in the US. We are already, of course, a $1 billion market globally. We're $1.4 billion so far, according to Omdia. That's one side of it. But I'm absolutely convinced that we'll hear lots more stories about way podcasting reaching $1 billion at last. So I suspect that we'll see a little bit more about that. The other thing is how much money does the IAB Tech Lab get? $6.4 million of revenue. $6.4 million. I'm assuming all of that isn't from podcasting, but that's still an awful lot of money. Just looking at that, you'd have thought that they could operate an email address that worked or stuff like that. But, um, <laughs> but still, there you go. So yes, quite a lot of cash there, but they do useful things. And one of the things... Name one. I think that the podcast <laughs> measurement standards are probably a good thing. I would like them to make sure that all of the IAB organizations across the world are behind those because that's not actually the case. But uh, yeah, I think that they do a good job. I think $6.4 million for those measurement standards and their, and their measurement standards for many other things as well is uh, quite a thing. It's certainly not a small organization, is it? No, but I, I have to say it never crosses my path, so I never really understand what they do. So good luck to them. 
Yes, which is probably fair enough, I guess. It's a good day for podcast accessibility. Google has enabled automatic subtitles inside the Chrome browser. So it allows closed captions to any web-based podcast player, as well as other audio. It's pretty simple, James. How do you set it up and what do you think of it? Yeah, it's really simple. So you just go to the accessibility section in the settings in Chrome browser. You turn on a thing marked live caption. It would even work for this conversation that we're having now, Sam, actually. You could just turn it on in there and you could see see, see the subtitles appear. It works in absolutely everything. It's a really clever thing. What I found interesting is I obviously led with the fact that it'll work on podcasts and the fact that you can turn it on in terms of uh, podcasts. And I then saw lots of other news um, coverage who thought it was only available on podcasts <laughs> because that's the thing that I led on. No, it works on absolutely everything, but it's but it's nice uh, seeing so many news w- websites that are, <laughs> that are essentially rewriting what I've written. That's nice. <laughs> so thank you. I think one thing that's really interesting that you said it works across everything. I'm going to tell a friend of mine, Ollie Barrett, because he's working on a program to improve children's readability by turning on subtitles for all of TV programs. It's a campaign he's running called TOTS. And that subtitles, again, if we could, if I could let him know that Google's now done it for all websites as well, mm. that might be something that he'd be really interested in. Yeah, you can just turn it on. I think what's missing is there isn't a programmatic way of turning that on. You have to turn it on in your browser in the accessibility section. It'd be really cool, and maybe this exists, but I haven't spotted it yet. It'd be really cool if there was a browser API so that I could just have a close closed captions button and that would automatically turn them on. But that is really good for basically it now allows anybody who has difficulty hearing, anybody can actually therefore get uh, live captions from the podcasts that they want to go and and, uh, have a listen to. So I think that's all pretty good news. Great. Now, Doing remote recordings is really hard, James, isn't it? There's a bunch of tools that make it easier for podcasters. One of those is Riverside FM, which gets audio and video from the person you're interviewing. Yes. We use Riverside FM, don't we? We're using it right now. Full disclosure, they gave me an account, which was nice of them. I chatted to Nadav Kison, who's the CEO and the co-founder about it and what to expect in the future. Riverside.fm is a platform that allows you to not only record, but also make your podcast uh, in essence. And the main reason why people use our platform is because of our uh, quality in comparison to let's say Zoom or or Google Meet. Why is the quality of Riverside rather better than, you know, Zoom or, or any of those other platforms? So basically what we do is during the call, we are locally recording on your computer audio and video. So it's almost as if you're recording offline audio and video. And what we do then is we, during the call, we upload that audio and video. So imagine while we're speaking to each other on your phone, you start recording yourself. That recording that's uh, happening on your phone is not dependent on the internet connection. So similar to what we are doing right now, we are locally recording on your computer. We're saving it there and uploading at the same time, the audio and video. And because of that local recording, internet connections don't affect the recording. So what you see in here now during this interview is actually not how the actual recording sounds like. Because so f- even, for example, let's say my internet can drop completely, like my Wi-Fi can go out completely. And of course, the call will disconnect, but actually the recording will be unaffected. <laughs> and uh, so that's in a nutshell why people use us. 
Yeah, so I was uh, having a chat with somebody the other day on this and the internet, for whatever reason, went a little bit weird and I missed half of their sentence. Now, if I was using something like uh, Zoom, then I would have had to have asked them to say that again and blah, blah, blah. But I actually knew that the audio was just going to be there anyway. It's just the fact that I didn't actually hear it is fine. So you can just guess. (laughs) Yes, which kind of works. You're not the only one doing this. It's beginning to be a bit of a crowded market. You've got uh, companies like Squadcast, and Zencaster who are also involved in this sort of thing. What's different about your product to some of those? Yeah, sure. So first of all, we're the first ones to also record video in the browser up to 4K, 4K resolution. So we have a, a lot of, we've launched one year ago, so we have a lot of experience recording reliably video and audio in the browser uh, in this local recording way. So it like reliable sounds boring, but it's so important uh, when you're doing interviews and you only get often one chance to record. So it all starts with the reliable aspect. But then uh, we also have a lot of really catered features, features that are catered to podcasters or people that uh, want to create uh, high quality content, such as uh, producer mode, where producers can be backstage, uh, be present while, while being recorded. We've got this very clear and overview what's happening to the local recording. So you see it uploading. But actually more exciting. So this is all like, you can also live stream. You can also live stream while recording. So while recording, you can also live stream to platforms such as Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And you can have people call in with their questions. So all these features, but even more exciting, we've got some big stuff coming as well. So people are trying to catch up, but now we are also going to move forward again is we're launching an iPhone app. So that will be a first that you can also actually do that whole local recording on your phone. I'm actually right now using my, my phone as a webcam because what we've seen is phones have actually very good camera and mic and everyone has a phone. So that's really exciting. So we've got that iPhone coming. And then on top of that, we also have what we call magic editor. So not only can you record now on Riverside, you can actually also produce on Riverside. So actually make an entire episode on Riverside. That editor allows you to very easily, but in a powerful way, create your content. Okay, so how does the magic editor work? What sort of thing can I actually do with that? So let's say after this recording, we finish a, a recording, and then in your dashboard, you see the separate tracks. You see, you see one track for me, one track for you. So first of all, you can merge those tracks. And then uh, let's say for video, you can uh, add the logo. You can add the frame to it. So really make it look uh, professional and uh, unique to what your show uh, wants to represent. And then we also have things as, such as uh, remove background noise. So you can actually do like all this audio enhancement stuff. So you can, uh, you can with all with one click. So all very simple, but very powerful things. You with one click, you can also make the audio levels equal to each other. So let's say I speak very loud, which I'm probably doing right now. And you're speaking rather soft. You can very easily, you just click, okay, equalize the audio levels, bam. Remove background noise, click that, bam, it's done. So it's all these features that are very cater to this kind of content creation, basically. Your and you guys appear to have come out of nowhere last year. You, you, I think we originally spoke in September. You launched in November. What's your background? How did you get into all of this? So uh, it all started with, uh, I, I built Riverside together with my brother and I. Previously, we had a debating platform where politicians would come and debate with, uh, with video and audio. All right. And that was going, like, we, we had some big politicians on our platform, such as the foreign ministers of the Netherlands, but it never really took off. And at some point, we started, a lot of people started to ask us if they could use our technology. So then we decided to make a pivot to Riverside, which is more of a technology platform instead of a social platform. Mm-hmm. And we launched uh, one year ago. So actually Riverside has been in the making for quite some time, 
But officially, we launched Riverside a year ago. Cool. And when you go onto your website, there's Hillary Clinton saying how brilliant you are. And not everybody has a testimonial from a former <laughs> first lady. How did that one happen then? Basically, her producer tested out all different platforms and she loved the our audio quality the most. <laughs> and it was actually organic. So uh, word of mouth. And then Mm-hmm. Uh, her audio, her producer, it turned out the producer was the producer of Hillary Clinton. And they were very happy with the platform. And then uh, without even asking, like she named us, she like mentioned Riverside in her podcast, uh, thanking us. So uh, then I, uh, that's testimonial we see on our landing page, which so it was, I would say luck. <laughs> I don't have any connections with Hillary Clinton, although I met her, which is pretty cool. But uh Virtually, I met her, but yeah. So luck, basically, she just stumbled up across Riverside, and she liked. Uh, they liked it. Yeah, which is a fantastic thing. What's your next big uh, launch? Are you able to give us any clues? Yeah, it's the iPhone app. That's like the the iPhone app and the Magic Editor. Basically, those two things are are really uh, what we are working on. So the iPhone app is going to be really cool uh, and, and so easy. So that's really why I'm really like pumped about it because. We're all about making things easy because of course you can also record yourself locally on your laptop, doing it your own way, sending the files. But Riverside is all about making that whole process easy and having your phone is actually a pretty good mic as well. Mm, uh, especially mm. if you keep it close to your mouth, the, the quality is pretty good. Uh, and we're and, and like I'm doing right now, unfortunately this is only audio only recording, but actually the webcam uh, of the camera of the phone is also really good. Yeah. So those two things I think are really exciting. And then we have the whole, uh, the magic editor, which basically allows you in a few clicks, create a show uh, without any editing. That's very cool. If anybody wants to give Riverside a go, how do they do that? And do you have a free, uh, a free way in? So we have a, f- a free one hour trial. Uh, you can just sign up on riverside.fm uh, and uh, give it a go. You don't need to have a credit card to sign up. So you can just sign up without credit cards. And the one hour trial, uh, you can try all features, so there's no restrictions. And uh, I'm honestly very excited about the platform, not only because it's my own our platform, but we're getting great feedback. And if people have like questions, they can also just reach out uh, to me and I'm happy to personally assist as well. That's fantastic. After we talk, I'm going to give you a boring feature request, but Nadav, thank you so <laughs> much for your time. I appreciate it. For sure. Likewise. Thank you. So James, that magic editing sounds good. How do you think it'll work? Yeah, I think it sounds really good. And I'm I'm always amazed, actually, at how few podcast companies deal with things like noise reduction and audio levels. Buzzsprout, of course, who is our sponsor, they do a very good job in terms of magic mastering. So it's an automatic way of making sure that everybody is the same loudness and you can hear everything and it does noise reduction and everything else. But that's not something that's in most podcast hosts. And similarly, this adding it directly into the tool that you're using to record is really nice. And I thought it was quite telling when he was saying that it isn't just a tool to record people, it's a tool to make podcasts now. And I thought that that was quite interesting. So there's that sort of side of it. And then there's the whole crafty use of the better camera in your iPhone. Now, the Breeze Lightning Client has added a native podcast player on their iOS app. I've never used the Breeze Lightning Client but I might try it because they're using the podcast 2.0 
podcast value system, which lets listeners opt in to share cryptocurrency with the shows they listen to. Yes. Including us. Well, well there you go. Uh, yes. Now, it says including us because you're reading that out of pod news. Oh. Including this podcast? No, because I haven't turned on the podcast value for this podcast yet. I wouldn't worry about it. I don't think anyone's going to actually pay us. <laughs> well, you know what? Pod news has been podcast value enabled for some time now for a couple of months. And I thought, wow, I must be rich now. I must have like loads of this weird and wonderful cryptocurrency. So I went to have a look and I think I've got 44,000 sats, 44,000 satoshi. I was quite excited by that. And I thought, that sounds like a load of money. 44,000 Satoshi. The retirement plan. Here we come. The retirement plan's in place. So I then went to have a look at how much that is in US dollars. And it's naught point, naught, naught, naught five dollars. <laughs> it's not even a tenth of a cent yet. So we won't be getting rich on that. Can I just say, this week, Elon Musk enabled you to buy your Tesla using Bitcoin. So in theory, I think you now qualify for a hubcap. <laughs> Not even sure I qualify for a hubcap with just 44,000 Satoshis. But yeah, Elon Musk, right? What amazes me about Elon Musk is he is clearly a James Bond villain. And the most sensible thing that we think of as Elon Musk is the fact that he's called Elon Musk. For any other person, being called Elon Musk is like the weirdest name out there. But oh no, you know, oh no, that's absolutely fine. That's normal. It's everything else that he's doing, which is just insane. Wow. It's the flamethrowers that he, he did and sold that got me, just because you it, can. He's just amazing. Anyway, Sam, what is in Podland for you over the next couple of weeks? It's actually quite interesting. I've been working on a brilliant broadcaster podcast platform service. They take the live feed and they put it through the Wushka system. So very much like Brian Barletta uses it for podcasting, it allows you to take your live feed, put tag markers in it. And in my case, it means I can drop out the music and I can then podcast all the radio shows automatically. Yeah, it's called Broadcaster Podcast. And I'll be delving deep into it, rolling up sleeves and playing with code. So that's my little week ahead. So what's in Podland for you? I am speaking in a couple of weeks time at a podcasting conference. Who'd have thought it? This podcasting conference is happening in Australia. It's Australasia's Pod Fiesta Summit. You'll find more information about that at pod.events. And it'd be good if you were to uh, join me. There's lots of other uh, exciting people on there as well. And probably hanging out on Clubhouse and things like that as well. So that should be a good thing. Yes, I've noticed you more on there these days. You've been converted. I've been converted because I'm a bloke, because it's mostly blokes on Clubhouse. I'm not quite under 35, but it is mostly under 35s on Clubhouse as well, apparently, according to new research. Fewer than 20% of Canadian adults have even heard of it. So there you go. What does that tell you? That they're out hunting deer. Yes, probably at all, or trying to drink Molson. Let's stop being rude about Canada. I'll be enjoying taking part in that in a couple of weeks. And Sam, I, I need to give you a note just to say that, can I have a day off next week, please? 
oh no, yeah. what are you going to be doing? Well, I'll be getting married, Ooh. so therefore I can't be here to record a podcast because apparently that's not a thing on your wedding day. <laughs> it's not. Ex- <laughs> I know a number of people who put the football on while they're getting married. Yeah. <laughs> no, apparently it's not acceptable. No. So that's not going to happen. So therefore you're going to have to find somebody else next week <laughs> or just do it yourself. That's never going to work, is it? No. So um, <laughs> offers out already. I, my email will be flying out to you this morning. So if you get an email from me, please open it and say yes. Yes. That's a very niche comment there aimed at one person. And that's it for this week. If you've enjoyed your trip to Podland, come back again next time. You can follow the podcast on all the major podcast players or visit our website at podland.news. If you enjoyed this episode, thank you. And please tell your friends by sharing us on your socials. We'd love to have your comments about anything on the show today. What? Send a voice comment to questions at Podland News or tweet us at Podland News. There's clearly something amusing going on in your house, Mr. Sethi. I don't know what it is. But still, there we are. Uh, if you want daily news, you should get the Daily Pod News newsletter. It's free at podnews.net, and that's where you'll find the links for all the stories we've mentioned this week. Music is from Ignite Jingles. We record with Riverside.fm, edit with Hindenburg Journalist Pro, and we're hosted and sponsored by Buzzsprout. And I really do hope we'll see you in Podland next week, but you'll never know. But uh, in the meantime, please keep following us. See you soon. See you soon.